Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Well, tonight we find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 1. If you want to turn with me there, um, 1 Peter 1, and we'll be in verses 13 through 21. And by a show of hands, I'd like to see how many here tonight have been walking with the Lord 25 years plus. And I just want everybody to kind of look around. How about 10 years plus? All right, awesome. A year in the Lord. Amen. Love that. All the arms up there. Hands up. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Anybody less than a year? Raise your hand. Less than a year. Oh, I see a hand way down there. That little one right there. Less than a year. Another one. Praise the Lord. Well, no matter where we find ourselves in our walk with the Lord, whether it's one year, uh, 10 years, 25 plus years, we were, we're all going to face um, opposition in this walk that we have. As soon as we accepted Jesus into our life, um, immediately we began to see, you know what? This is not so easy as I thought it was, you know? It seemed like it was easier when we lived in this messed up world and we just kind of did what everybody else did. But now that we're taking a stand in our relationship with the Lord, we see that it is hard. It is hard only because it's hard for our flesh. And Jesus said, if anybody desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. And that, that just kind of sets the tone for our whole relationship with him. We're to die to ourselves. We're to lay that aside, and we're to follow him. And when we do that, and when we, as the Bible says, walk in the Spirit, then it becomes easy. Because now we're trusting in him, and we're walking in his strength. We're walking according to his will for our lives. And tonight, um, I'd like to talk about us staying the course, and that is the, the title of tonight's message, Staying the Course. Um, the definition, when I looked it up and just kind of broke it down, it, the definition of staying the course could be translated this way, to remain in a uh, specified state or position in which something progresses or develops. And I'm going to repeat that again. Staying the course, to remain in a specified state or position in which something progresses or develops. Now, I'd like to read Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Now, I know we are on Wednesdays going through the New Living Translation, and I'm going to kind of make it a little bumpy because I'm going to share from the message just this particular verse because um, it just really kind of stood out as I was kind of digging and looking for some things to really kind of speak about tonight's message. And in um, Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8, this is what the message says. You're blessed when you stay on course, walking steadily on the road revealed by God. You're blessed when you follow his directions, doing your best to find him. That's right. You don't go off on your own. You walk straight along the road he set. You, God, prescribe the right way to live. 
now you expect us to live it. Oh, that my steps might be steady, keeping to the course you set. Then I'd never have any regrets in comparing my life with your counsel. I thank you for speaking straight from your heart. I lean, I learn the pattern of your righteous ways. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Don't ever walk off and leave me. And I, I really like that because it just sets that, again, that tone for us of staying the course, following what God has revealed to you and me, and not looking to the left and not looking to the right. Again, as a Christian, our faith must remain in Christ and bear the fruit of that progress. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, and now we are back into the New Living Translation. If you want to turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul wrote, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. And he's writing to, the, to those in Colossae, the new believers there. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of fruit, every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And this is something that God does share with us. But as I mentioned earlier, as soon as that happens, immediately we realize in our Bible study, but just in general in life, that the devil is out to disrupt things. He's out to wreak havoc. He's um, trying to create some waves in, in our walk so that we take our focus off the Lord. You know, you think about uh, Peter when he was with the disciples in the boat and when they saw Jesus walking on the water, Peter is the one who said um, to Jesus, hey, I'd love to come out there. Um, I'd love to, to walk and to meet you out in the water. Again, my paraphrase, uh, not NLT, it's HGT, I don't know what that would be. But he's trying to go out into the water, and, and Jesus says, come on, come on out here. And I used to think about when people would say, you know, there's only one person that walked on water. Only one person, that was Jesus. And I would always say, yeah, you're right, there is only one person walked on water, not realizing there were two people who walked on water. Another person just like you and just like me, but had the faith in Jesus to ask the question, Lord, call me out. I want to see. I want to go. I want to do that. God, will you call me out? And Jesus said, come on. And Peter began to walk on the water. And that's just, you know, for, for me, it's just one of those things where you just, shh, you know. I can't even imagine. Jesus, yes, I get that, because he's the son of God. But Peter, walking on water, yes. I was tempted at the beginning of the year when we went to um, Israel. And when we're in uh, uh, Galilee in that region, and there we are on that water, I was thinking, should I even try it? Should I not? Lord, I know you can do it. And I would like to be the second person in the whole wide world ever in history. Um, but I chickened out. So pray for my faith that it would increase as well. Um, but the devil, he does. He just, he just tries to create those waves because as soon as Peter was there with Jesus, he began, the Bible says, he took his eyes off the Lord and he began to see the waves and it, it affected him to the point where he began to sink. 
He took his eyes off the Lord, and he began to sink. And then Jesus pulled him up and said, oh, of you, you have little faith. And, and that's how we are once we take our eyes off the Lord. Jesus wants us to keep our eyes on him, to fix our eyes on him, because he is the author and finisher of our faith. But the devil wants to create those waves to get our focus off, to thwart that advancement that God is doing in our lives for the kingdom, to get us off course. And the way he does it, and I'm sure you can attest to this, is that he does it through trial. He does it through disappointment. He does it through heartache. He does it through um, a, an offense from a loved one, whether it's our spouse or our kiddos or a family member or a really good friend. I remember when I first became a Christian, um, I, I was so excited and I um, I immediately told my best friend, and again, my best friend was, he was in the world. I was in the world. We just lived after crazy things. And I said, I want you to be my best man. And about three quarters of the way into the preparation for the wedding, he backed out. And I called him. I said, hey, are, are you going to get your talks? Are you going to be, you know, attending? We're going to get together. And he says, you know what? I can't do it. I'm sorry. He never gave a reason. And I got to tell you, it crushed me as an individual. It just really, it just affected me big time. But at that moment, immediately, the Lord spoke to me and says, the person that needs to be your best man is Jack, who was going to be my future brother-in-law, because he's the one who shared the gospel with me. He's the one who invited me to church. He's the one who was initiating this relationship with God, where I eventually committed my heart to him at a harvest crusade back in 1991 and at that moment I said it's got to be Jack and and I asked him and he accepted but from right from the get-go the enemy was just trying to just throw darts and just trying to disrupt and cause me to doubt and God why would you do this he was my best friend the great thing about God is that no matter what the enemy throws at you God replaces with something so much better, so much better. My brother-in-law is not a brother-in-law. He's my best friend. He's my best friend. He's just one of those guys that it doesn't matter um, when I could give him a call, and he lives back in California, um, and I can share my heart, and it can be completely wide open, and he'll receive that. And he can do the same because he knows I will be there for him as well. The devil wants to disrupt our lives. And from the very beginning, he did that with me. There might be someone not only an offense by a loved one, but also the diagnosis of uh, some sort of disease inside your life or for a, a family member or maybe the death of a loved one. All of these things the enemy likes to do to just kind of agitate us. And, and just cause this disruption in our lives. Romans does tell us, and we know this very well, 828 tells us that, um, that God can turn these disappointments. He turns these disappointments around for good because he makes all things work together for good to those who love him and those who are, are the called according to his purpose. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, I'll share this with you, says... 
So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So we can trust God. doesn't matter what the enemy brings, but we know that it's going to continue on. We are to stay the course. So what's the solution? What needs to happen in order for us to stay the course? The believers in Asia Minor, in this section of Scripture that we're going to be covering tonight, they were experiencing um, this type of trial and persecution that Peter had to write this letter of hope, this letter of encouragement. Peter's desire was that they would stay the course, that they would remain in their faith, that they would press on, and that they would not give up. And I believe that this is a message for us tonight. This whole message kind of came about sitting down listening to Pastor Jason's message, um, and, and it just... I'm just piggybacking off of that. I really, I had something completely set aside when Pastor Ed asked me to share. And once Pastor Jason started to um, teach, uh, I just wanted to piggyback off of that. And I really feel that that is for us, the adversity that we find ourselves in. God wants to see us through it. He wants to carry us through at times, if need be, to yield our lives over to allow him to carry us. And so, tonight, let's listen to God's heart and gain some insight from what he has for us. So now, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 21, let's read it. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Amen. Let's pray. So Father, we just thank you for your word that even as we read it, it produces hope in our hearts. It already stirs us up and causes us to, to cling to you. And God, um, 
we are all here tonight very aware of the, the current circumstance that we're all in. Individually, the trials that we are facing, the disappointments that have happened in our lives, and the heartache. And God, we do not want to allow any kind of root of bitterness. We're asking that you would help us tonight, that you would uproot it, that you would cut away the callousness, that you would soften the hardness of our hearts, and that we would stay the course, and that we would continue on on that path that you've placed us on, because God, you're so good. You're so awesome. You're so loving. And you've done so much for us. And we just pray that we would have receptive hearts to what you would have to say to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little background in First Peter. Uh, this letter was written around 62 AD from uh, the area of Rome. And it was addressed to believers that lived in the region of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Um, it's approximately 820 miles from Israel and about 1,500 miles from Rome. Uh, according to the book of Acts, after the per persecution and death of Stephen, there was a great persecution that arose that scattered all of the believers from that area, and they began to just kind of head out. And God used that. Again, he turns everything for good. You know, we might see it as something terrible, but God will use that for good. And he caused that dispersion to go out to share the gospel in other areas beyond uh, Jerusalem. Now, the commentators, they don't really um, explain whether or not in this area, uh, excuse me, this area of Asia Minor or Turkey, if it was these believers that eventually made their way out there or in the missionary um, trips that Paul and Peter, as he, he made his way out and eventually finds himself here in Rome, that there was some contact along the way where churches kind of uh, sprung up and believers in that area. But we do know that there was a great persecution that happened. Um, God began to do a work after that disbursement and we see um, Cornelius get saved. We see that vision with uh, Peter where that sheet comes down. And, and now the gospel is opened up to the Gentile. We also see um, Saul gets converted and becomes now Paul and becomes just one of those key figures in the New Testament. We see all these things happening. And then when you get to Acts chapter 12, it says that, um, that, uh, that Nero... Uh, King Agrippa decided to uh, just wreak havoc. He decided to um, persecute the church, and he took James, and he killed him by the sword, and then he also grabbed a hold of Peter. And so all of these things were just kind of going on. And as you can see, this kind of um, pattern where the, the enemy comes in and does a, 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 a wreak havoc and just kind of causes a, a lot of distress and issues, and, it, and then God steps in and begins to use that for good. But then as good starts to happen and God starts um, doing something great, then the enemy tries to come in, and that's going to be very similar to you and I in our relationship with the Lord. The area, again, they're mentioned in First Peter in chapter 1 as those who are living as foreigners in the area of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Paganism, these, these believers were living under extreme um, worldly conditions, very similar to you and I 
what we're experiencing around us, the things that we're seeing on the news, the laws that are being passed, uh, paganism, sexual immorality, the pursuit of wealth and success um, were the pressing issues of the day at whatever cost. And it's very similar to what we're experiencing here. And the temptations that were pressing in on the believers there in that, that region of Asia Minor was for them to conform, was for them to abandon their faith, was for them to say, you know what, it was a lot easier back when I was in the world. And no doubt when the pressures come on exactly for you and me, there is that temptation for us to go back to what was comfortable, to go back to that sin that was so much easier to numb the pain. For some of you, it was a bottle, alcohol, going back to that. I just want to drink and I just want to numb myself and I just don't want to deal with these problems. For some of you, it was drugs, going back to that so that you can just kind of disconnect from the world. Others, it could be sexual immorality, just saying, you know what, I'm just going to go back to watching those videos, looking at those magazines, and just messing around with those girls or that, those men, whatever it is. The enemy likes to get us to that place where we start to retreat. And it might not be as extreme as going all the way back, but then we start to make those excuses. You know what, I'm just going to veg out tonight. I had such a tough day, I'm just going to veg out, and I'm just going to watch TV. And then five hours later, after you've binged on some show you probably shouldn't have been watching, you're shaking your head saying, why did I do that? An enemy wants to just do that in a very subtle way as well. It could be going back to music. For some of you, it might not be a big deal, but for myself, um, I, I'm very sensitive when it comes to music. And there are definitely songs that trigger going back to the old ways. And I know that I can only handle so much of the old music before I have to cut it off and say, I'm done. I, I got to get back and I have to um, refocus. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He was, he's wanting to do that in our lives and he was disrupting their lives as well with that temptation. But Peter reminds us tonight in verse 3, um, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And that is something that we can rejoice, knowing that even though the enemy wants to take us and get us back, we have to remind ourselves we've been born again. We've been born again. We have a new nature. We don't have to go back to that stuff. As a matter of fact, when things get tough and things get kind of crazy, what we should be doing is running to the Lord running to the Lord and just falling at his feet and just saying, Lord, help me, help my thoughts, help my actions, help my desires, deliver me from that. Help me to stay the course. So as we get into verse 13, let's take a look at some of the things, some of, the, of Peter's instruction to the new believers on how to stay the course. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention 
is found in verse 13, the preparation that needs to take place. The preparation that needs to take place. Um, he says, prepare your minds. Prepare your minds for action. This is an idea that is to be ready mentally. To be prepared in your mind for what God has for you. It's really easy to allow stuff to get into our minds. It's really easy to allow, I, I don't know about you, but um, in, in my home, um, as, as we're kind of going about, God bless you, as we're going about doing things, um, we'll pick up a book or we'll grab something. And then once we're done with it, we just kind of lay it down. And then we move on to something else and then we'll get that and then we lay that down. And before you know it, you kind of start to see little piles starting to accumulate inside of our house. And it's kind of a, a little joke that we have, um, me and my wife, that we can't wait to invite somebody over so we can clean our house. <laughs> and we can clean up all the clutter because once that's all done and we do this mad dash to clean up the house, we're looking around going, man, this is a pretty cool house that we got here. I like this. Like we can easily walk around. I'm not stepping on Legos all the time and, and we can maneuver but we have to clear out the clutter. And it's the same idea here that Peter is saying, get your minds ready. You've got to clear out the, cl the clutter inside your mind. And, and the funny thing is that we're the ones that allow that clutter to go inside there. We're the, the ones that allow those things that just cloud our judgment and cloud um, our decision making. But when we're nice and clear minded, when we've driven that stuff out, gosh, the Lord just shows things that are so clear and so evident and so real. I remember things were just getting really heavy at work and just pressing in on me and, and you know, employees were just kind of popping off and getting kind of crazy and I'm just trying to deal with it and I'm just trying to, okay, I got this, I got this. Wasn't turning to the Lord. It was all me. You know, I'm just trying to deal with it and deal with it. And then right in the midst of everything, um, an employee comes up to me and begins to share and she is not saved, but she just begins to share, hey, just want to let you know that this um, thing happened in my life and this person came over and shared and I just wanted you to know that and she made it a point to let me know because I'm the Christian at work but she made it a point to let me know and immediately the Lord was was speaking to me saying this is why you need to be ready in and out of season at all times you need to keep the clutter out you need to stay sharp you need to have your spiritual antennas open and ready to receive because I'm going to move. And there's something interesting about opportunity. You never know when it's going to come around. You don't. You, you can't. All you can do is be prepared. And when opportunity comes, you've got to be ready. Be ready to share. That's what the Bible tells us. In and out of season, be ready. Romans 12 tells us to renew our minds and not to conform ourselves to this world, to renew our minds. That means we've got to push out all the old stuff and then allow the good stuff to come in. Push out everything that we've been taught and allow God to teach us his word, to renew our minds so we don't think the way we used to think. In Philippians, we're told to have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. So question, how do we do this? Well, we have to eliminate those things that clutter our minds. We need to um, keep those things from coming in and we need to um, basically um, uh, receive all that God has for us 
and allow that to penetrate and allow that to come into us to change the way we think. It's, uh, it's just interesting, some of the nonsense that we allow in, in our minds, um, we allow for us to hear. You know, um, if we're not feeding ourselves the counsel of God, if we're not uh, allowing his truth to come into our minds to make that change possible, we're going to hear someone else's counsel. You understand that, right? Whether it's listening to a radio program, um, could be Fox News, it could be CNN, whatever it is, they're sharing with you their thoughts, their ideas, that eventually, if you continue to embrace that, it's going to shape you. It's going to shape the way you think. And before you know it, that's who you become. That's who you become. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks, so he is. Proverbs 23, 7, I'll repeat that. It says, As a man thinks, so he is. You become what you allow into your mind. Peter wants us. Peter wanted them to prepare their minds for action so that their spiritual antennas are up. And when God said, okay, it's time to go. Okay, I need you to speak to that person. Okay, I just need you to say hello to that person. That we respond to it. I remember a brother way back when he was at work and he was just down and just beat up. I didn't know it. But I made it a point. As soon as I came in, I knew he was a brother in the Lord. And I just kind of changed aisles as I was coming in. Walked right up to him. Put my hand on his back. Hey, brother, great to see you. God bless you, man. Hope you have a great day. And he stopped me there and he just said, man, I'm just so glad that you're here. I'm just so glad that you're here. That was so encouraging. And I absolutely needed that because my mind was just. And it, and it really came to, to just the Lord speaking to me and saying, why don't you just say hello? You know, you're going down the main aisle, walking into work at Costco, um, redirect and go down and say hello. And, and that was the Lord. And God connected with my friend on a, um, on a level that we, we can't imagine. I mean, we don't, we don't really think about that in a very tangible way to put a hand on a person. I remember when I was um, really down and again, uh, the, the issues of life, things were just kind of pressing in. And I just remember my father-in-law standing right next to me and I, I'm just broken and I'm just praying, Lord, I just, I really need, I just need you to kind of do something and just kind of come in and, and just help me. And my father-in-law just put his hand on my shoulder and just that interaction I felt like it was the Lord and we need to be open to hear even if it's the smallest of things just connecting having our spiritual antennas up ready to receive and, and, and respond I like to create an atmosphere for me to connect with the Lord whether it's the music whether it's the Bible studies you know I, I used to work in Sheridan now I'm only eight minutes away from work, and I like that um, with um, just a small little 10-minute drive, I throw on a little Bible study, and I just listen to something good right before I get to work. Just something that, again, like Pastor Jason said, just a good word to my soul, a good word to my mind, just to prepare me and to set the tone. I encourage you to do that. Music, Bible teaching, devotion time, how is your devotion time in the morning? Setting the tone for the day. I like to get up. I like to just, when it's kind of quiet, get my coffee, sit down, and just spend time with the Lord and allow him to speak to me as I'm reading his word. 
I got to tell you personally, it's really difficult for me to not do that. Start today, uh, start the day, get out, get to work, and then as opposition and trial and all that starts happening, I begin to throw myself my hands up in the air, and I find myself really easily agitated, and immediately the Lord speaks to me and says, hey, how come we didn't sit down and hang out in the morning like we did yesterday? Note taken, Lord, note taken. Let's do that tomorrow. Let's spend some time. And then I pray immediately, Lord, forgive me, and fill me with your spirit and help me. The next thing we see is that exercising of self-control. Our minds are fit and ready for action, and then we're told to exercise self-control, to put self-control into action. Self-control is something that we possess as Christians. We, we understand that, right? We have the ability to say no now, or before we couldn't. Before we felt that pressure and we just went along with whatever the, the situation was, but now we can say no. Now we can stay the course and we can say no to this and yes to the Lord. We see self-control exercised in Joseph when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife. We see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego exercise self-control when it came to eating the delicacies of the king. We see self-control in Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days with no food, no water, and amongst the beasts. And when Jesus was physically beaten we saw self-control was exercised. And Jesus tells us that he and all that he did led as an example for us to follow. We need to exercise self-control. We need to exercise self-control. There's a lot that's out there that can easily, again, affect us. But now we have the power. It is part of the spirit that has now filled us that gives us the ability to say no. The next thing that we see is for these believers is that, um, is, is that Peter says, put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. In order for us to stay on course, we need to have our hope in God's salvation through Jesus Christ. And I know it sounds um, kind of uh, something that doesn't need to be said, but the, the reality is, are we doing that on a regular basis do we have a rejoicing in our hearts for that salvation that's going to come to us? Are we allowing that consciousness of God to always be in our minds and allow the fact that one day all of this is going to go away and the salvation of my soul is going to be there and I'm going to be able to enjoy it for all eternity and it's all going to be done away with to cause me to stay focused, that salvation Some of you tonight, whatever it is that you are currently going through might seem like, you know, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Some of you might be going through some trials and situations where you find yourself being in this um, area of being disconnected with God. We need to hope in the promises that God has for us in that his gracious salvation will come to us through Jesus Christ when he is revealed. Because the Bible speaks of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we can bank on that. It's not just something that's out there that we have to try to grab a hold of. The Bible tells us that 
when we become Christians that Jesus comes and indwells us. It is something that I don't understand and I can't explain. But Jesus is the one who said that. That he comes and he takes residence within our lives and in our, our hearts. And that he becomes Christ in us, the hope of glory. And what it tells me is that I'm not alone, ever. Never, ever. Even when I think I'm alone, I'm not alone. That Jesus is right there with me because he indwells me. Verse 14 tells us now, so you must live as God's obedient children, not to slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Again, when the pressures of life, they begin to press in, um, if not guarded, we find that we slip back to those old ways. 1 Peter chapter 4 speaks about this, and we read, You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Again, 1 Peter chapter 4. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. And of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. This is that life that we can easily slip back into if we don't stay the course, if we don't keep our eyes focused on him and be as obedient children. Now that we have this new nature, we have to reflect that of, of our heavenly father. That is what um, is the natural, um, naturally, now that God has done that work, there should be that change that spiritual change inside our lives so that we reflect that heart of God. A sensitivity to his spirit and a tenderness now. Sometimes when the trials come, like these um, believers were experiencing, we put up those walls. We have that argument with our spouse or with our friend or with our sibling, and we begin to harden our hearts, and we have to pray and ask the Lord to come in and to bring that softness. Staying the course means we need to be obedient children. Jesus said that if you love me, keep my commandments. If we love Jesus, we're to keep his commandments, we're to be obedient, we're to follow through. Because the old Life has passed away, and everything is new now. A couple more points and a couple more things I just want to share with you in this section of Scripture. I believe that if you guys go back and you kind of dig inside there, there's a lot of stuff that I think the Lord wants to reveal to us and wants to share to our hearts about staying the course. A lot of great nuggets for us. We need to be holy. The word means to be consecrated and separated for the purposes of God. Let me repeat that again. The word here, to be holy, means to be consecrated or to be separated for the purposes of God. To be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, Romans 12 tells us. We need to be holy. The thing is, is that we can't do it. We just have to be it. 
He's already declared that we have been washed. We have been cleansed. We have been made right with him. Now we need to walk in that holiness that God has called us to, to live in that way, to be holy and to think through. Now, when you think back about where Peter is, is referring to, he's referring to the, the dietary laws to be holy, to be separate. You can only eat this and you can't eat that. You can eat this part and you can't eat that. And why? Because I want you to be holy. I want you to be separated. I want you to be consecrated for my purposes. And that's going to be the choice that we have to make, you and I. You know, we can walk around and we can start saying, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would you allow me to eat this with a split hoof and not allow me to eat this one with a split hoof? Only because this one has a split hoof and it has... It's able to chew the cud, and, and we begin to try to think through. You know, I, um, I have kids, and I don't know if you have any kids. Some of you might have kids. But it's interesting that when you give a direction, and you're just kind of expecting them to just kind of follow through on what you think is a pretty simple <laughs> instruction, um, it, it turns into a conversation like, well, why? Why do we have to do that? Why? It doesn't make sense to me. Well, it doesn't matter if it makes sense to you. I'm just asking you to do it. you got to trust Dad. Yeah, but if I do this and it turns into this 45-minute conversation of a simple, can you just please? I work at Costco, and um, as a manager there, I, I find myself working with grown adults who act like my children. <laughs> and not all of them. Let me take that back. Not all of them, but there's certain individuals that it's like you give a certain instruction and it's pretty simple, but because it doesn't match up to the way they think, they're going to contend with it. And sometimes we have a tendency to do that as well with the Lord. And yet, as we continue on reading, it says that we're to conduct our relationship with him in reverence. You know, this isn't just I'm, I'm arguing with dad about something. This is our Heavenly Father who has created me, who knows me inside and out, and who has plans for me and has thoughts of good and not of evil. So much blessing. And yet, we find ourselves going, really, Lord? Are, are you sure you want me to love that person? Are you sure you want me to say hello to that person? You know what they're really all about, right, God? And, and we have this tendency to resist. And God is just saying, hey, just be holy. Just be sanctified. Just be set apart. And when you have that willingness, then I'm able to work. But when you, you're constantly asking the questions and you're constantly fighting, it's very difficult. And we sometimes, and a lot of times, tie the hands of God when he just calls us, hey, I just want you to be holy. Just be separated so that I can accomplish great things. You know, I, I would think, now that I'm saved, what, what, what is it? You know, I, I have the hope of heaven. My, my sins are forgiven. What, what next? What is it? And I love how our pastor always shares this, and he always preaches it, and he always teaches it. It's about people. It's about being used by God to love and to be used by him for people. I mean, you think about recently... Um, um, the fire that just happened in that boat off of um, Catalina Island. And that was just devastating. 
all the people that, that passed in, in the middle of the night because of fire and they couldn't get out. Now think about all of the families that are affected by the loss of those loved ones. That is, that is devastating. And God has called us all the way here in Calvary Church, here in Aurora, to pray for those families. God has called us to love one another here as we build our relationships, that we connect with one another. That's why Pastor Ed says, hey, and some of the pastors get up and greet some of the people. Build those connections because there's a lot of hurting hearts that are here who love the Lord that we need to intercede on behalf. I can think of one particular person who is continually going through it, whose emotions are overwhelming her, and to the point where she'll just come, come up to me and just say, I just need you to pray for me. Just pray for me, please. No detail. And yet I already know the detail from the past of what things have happened, and I, and I understand. And this is a sister who loves the Lord, but is overwhelmed by her circumstances. The Bible says that you who are, are in a good place and strength and, and, and walking to pray and lift up that brother, lift up that sister and intercede on their behalf. The only way we can do that is if we sanctify ourselves and we set ourselves apart so God can use us. Peter placed an emphasis, and I'll close with this last point, Peter placed an emphasis on God's word as the basis for his instruction when he said to be holy. Back from Leviticus. Remember, there was no New Testament at that time. They're all living according to what the Old Testament said and, and what was available. They didn't have to fulfill any of the ceremonial parts, but they had God's word for principle and to teach, and to encourage, and to exhort, and to correct. If we're to stay the course, as Peter used God's word to encourage those believers, we too also have to get God's word into our hearts. The Bible tells us that God's word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And again, I mentioned earlier, heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will not. The psalmist wrote, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word is vital for us to stay the course. We need to have it there, so it's there to remind us. And that God, through the Holy Spirit, is able to convict us and redirect us so that we stay the course. Because it's easy, again, with the pressures and with the trials and with the disappointments to just kind of get off track. Or we begin to convince ourselves that doing this is okay. Or embracing that is all right. I have a friend of mine who um, recently posted on how she forever will support Planned Parenthood. Because in her time of need, she was young and she was 18 years old, um, got pregnant. And unfortunately, she went to the church and the, the church said, I'm sorry, we, we can't marry you um, because of you know, the rules that we have. And in her mind, she was just like, the church rejected me and I went to Planned Parenthood and they embraced me and they helped me and they guided me and directed me. And so forever, I will, you know, show my support for Planned Parenthood. And my response was, you understand that from inception, from the time that Planned Parenthood started, 
that over 7.2 million babies have been aborted. 7.2 million babies. That is unbelievable. And for us as Christians, we have to really think through what is truth and what isn't truth. And we use God's word to be able to um, find our way through all the crazy way of thinking that the enemy wants to come in and cloud our judgment. We can't make our decisions, we can't make our choices without God's word anymore as Christians. We can't. We can't find ourselves compromising and saying, well, that was a good work because they came alongside and they put their arm around me. Okay, great. There are a lot of good people in this world, and as Pastor Ed has said, and they're all going to hell, unfortunately, because they don't have Jesus. That's the, that's the reality. And those are the people we need to be praying for, but also praying for us that we receive God's word and we don't compromise in the little things. Well, it's okay, because I've been a Christian for 25 years. I'm okay to dabble in this. I'm okay to watch this movie. It's okay for me to listen to this type of music because it doesn't really stick. We need to pray. We need to pray that God's word would illuminate our understanding and give us clarity so that it'll speak exactly what it needs to say to our hearts. And it's going to be different for everybody here. What is it that is keeping us from staying the course? What is it that's keeping us from moving forward? May we place our hearts and our lives in the hands of God and trusting in Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Let's pray. God, we just, we, we thank you for your word that it always brings such an encouragement to us and keeps us exactly where we need to be, near your heart. It filters through all the confusion of this world and the lies that the enemy, who is the father of lies, wants to try to grab a hold of our way of thinking and to change it, to compromise. And God, we, with clarity tonight, want to declare to you that we don't want to have any part of that. We want to stay the course. We want you to change the way we think. God, we want to be conformed into the image of your son, Jesus. And we want to allow our hearts to do that. And so with all of these areas that we've discussed just in this section of First Peter, about staying the course, our minds ready for use, exercising self-control, trusting in the hope that's to come, that you've promised, turning away from the things of this world and being obedient children and, and, and being sanctified for your purposes. God, we want to honor you. You truly deserve all praise, glory, and honor because you delivered us from our sins. You moved us from darkness and placed us into your marvelous light. You have caused us to experience you by delivering us from our sin. And God, we ask that you would continue to speak to us even as we leave tonight, that our conversation would be about your word and just what you spoke to us individually about. That, that God, you would stir up 
good works. You would stir up love. That we would confess our sin to you. That you would wash us because your word does say that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we ask that you would do that. Bring that healing to our hearts where we've been offended. Help us to not compromise anymore and to stay the course. And after we've done everything to do to stand by putting on that armor of God, help us to be men and women of prayer. Thank you for tonight and how you've spoken to us and and how you're going to continue through your spirit. And I just pray that um, you'd be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to say if there is anybody here who does not have that hope in their hearts, if you want to receive Jesus, to know that your sins are forgiven, to know that you've been made right with God, and to have the hope of heaven, the newness of life, if there is anyone here tonight who would like to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, I would just ask that you would stand so we can pray with you and for you. Anybody here tonight? Amen. God bless you. If you want to turn from that old way of living, God wants to do a new work inside your life where you can be free. Anyone else? Is there anyone here tonight that is just tired, tired of that compromise, who maybe got off course and wants to get right with God tonight? Would you stand? We can pray for you. Don't be afraid. Again, we've said this before, you're in a safe place. This is your family here tonight. We're here to pray with you. We're to pray for you. Amen. Well, for those of you who stood to receive the Lord, I just want you to pray with me and just repeat after me. God, forgive me for my sin. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. And that you were buried and you rose again on the third day. And that by me placing my faith in you tonight, I trust in your word that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with you, and that now I have the hope of heaven. And I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Help me to walk in your ways. Help me to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray for those who stood who also just want to get right back on course. And let's pray together. And those of you who are around, pray for them as well. Father, we just want to lift up those who 
who stood up, who want to get back on course, who realize that they've allowed things inside their mind, have allowed things inside their lives that brought compromise, that have dulled their walk with you. And they want to be sharp. They want to regain that connection with you so that there's a freshness. Time of refreshing comes as we repent. And God, we're repenting tonight, including myself. We ask that you would help us to be sanctified, set apart for your purposes so that we could run this race. We want to lay aside every sin and every weight that easily ensnares us, that you might be glorified. So God, help us that we could rest in you. We can rest in knowing that you have forgiven us of our sins right now and we can start fresh with you. Pour out your spirit, anoint this place, your presence, and enable us to stay the course. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.